Hi, I'm Chris Mount from Lux Coastal Property Buyers. Today, I'm really excited to be sitting in the offices of Ray White in Mooloolaba with Brent Higgins. Welcome, Brent. Good morning, Chris. Pleasure to be here with you. Yes, yeah, great to be here. Um, I'm really excited about this because we are going to discuss all things property in the Maroochydore area, and you're a property expert looking after two offices in Mooloolaba and Kiwana. That's right. And managing a very large team. Yeah, we've got 33 staff now um, with strong ambitions to continue growing. We've um, certainly, we're well established in Mooloolaba after having this business premises for 12 years. Um, Mooloolaba is, um, is, is obviously a great trade area, but we've had that fortunate position to be able to open the Kiwana Waters office uh, five years ago and we're now got a huge market down there to work in. So we're very uh, much forward focused at the moment. Oh, that, that's fantastic. And look, I must say, um, you know, we've done a transaction with you in a penthouse in Budroom and that experience was just a standout experience of how you look after your customer end-to-end -end, um, seamless delivery and how you train your staff. Yeah, and that was uh, a great experience because that's where we worked together for the first time, uh, officially met in a business capacity. Um, you know, we're very thankful that you recommended to those clients um, to interview myself. Um, Peter King that works alongside of me is a fabulous agent. He's actually been rated uh, by Ray White uh, Queensland as a top um, NPS rated agent, meaning that his customer reviews are exceptional. So it was an easy choice for me to bring in a unit specialist. Um, Budroom itself, that is a record price and it will probably stand for a long time um, because of the ilk of the property. There's there's few penthouses of that size in Budrum. There's actually a few penthouses of that size on the Sunshine Coast. Um, so, you know, we really enjoyed that partnership with you. Um, we took the property through an auction campaign. We had local, interstate, international. Um, keeping in mind too that, that there were still some challenges with the market. We certainly, through that COVID period, weren't seeing as many international, or basically no international feet on the ground, and we had quite limited access to interstate buyers as well. Great outcome though. Um, the property itself, spectacular. Um, the new owners, I'm sure, when they have a footprint um, of that unrivaled size, that they'll make it into something special. It was just so unique because of its size, but the outdoor terrace was about 250 square metres with incredible views and privacy. So. It was. It was a home perched on top yeah. of a unit complex. And the fact that it combined a golf course and ocean views, uh, it was a, it was a round, all round package. Mind you, for us, uh, a very uh, small and specific target base for buyers. Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that everyone could either afford or equally that everyone needed. It was actually just too big for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so we, we had to work together through that. Um, but you touched on, and I appreciate that compliment about uh, well-trained staff. Yeah. Um, I think that's a hallmark of Ray White and something that certainly lives within our business. Yeah. Right now, our staff are doing training more than ever. Yeah. Uh, changing marketplace, so that's yeah. a key ingredient yeah. to success. Yeah. You are being very humble because I have spoken to a lot of your staff and um, not only are they really well trained, but they love working with you and that's compliments to you. And, Thank you. Um, you really are best in class, in my view here. But before we go into the property yes. market, yeah. I'd like to know a little bit about how Brent Higgins mm -hmm. landed in Mooloolaba. Well, it was uh, a very uh, fortunate period of my life. My parents decided to sell up there 
farming property in Victoria for sea change. That sea change really could have been anywhere in Australia. Uh, they took a year out of school for my sister and I. We travelled around Australia, a uh, great Aussie adventure with the caravan back in 1989. That would have been incredible. So you're going to all these different places saying, where are we going to find home? Yeah, left Victoria and went clockwise. I think always the target was somewhere maybe on the south coast of New South Wales because of its proximity to Victoria, potentially up around Macquarie, Port Macquarie, Coffs Harbour region. Um, but I'll never forget that we drove over Alexandra Headland. We looked across Mullalabar Bay, uh, across the Point Cartwright, and there was just a connection for our family straight away. We checked into the iconic Cotton Tree Caravan Park <laughs> We spent a summer there, commenced school on the Sunshine Coast from the caravan park at that time. Mum and Dad then uh, secured a waterfront property on the Lullabar Canals. And um, yeah, that was 1989. I think probably they settled on the coast because it had uh, the climate, the lifestyle. Uh, we, we were uh, very much boating and fishing people, so we had a safe harbour. Um, but a big attraction was that um, it's still having a large family connection to Victoria. The having Brisbane down the road an hour away in the airport was actually the Sunshine Coast was very much more connected than maybe living in a Port Macquarie or a Coffs Harbour or something where you're a long way from Brisbane or Sydney. So that was a, it was a good decision in the end. Well, that's really interesting that you've touched on connectivity was important to you back then because it was close to Brisbane. So for the people listening, um, a lot of people know Noosa on the Sunshine Coast. It's an international postcode. Yes, it is. And then when we talk about Mooloolabar and Maroochydore, some people are not that so familiar with it, but it is absolutely beautiful. But it is actually more connected yes. to Brisbane. It's only one hour away. Yes. Yes. You're only 40 minutes from Noosa, but more importantly, you've also got the international airport now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a bit of a segue into um, yeah. the, the next topic I wanted to touch on is really... What infrastructure changes are occurring in this region, which are pretty exciting, because yeah. pre-COVID, yes. they're already in place. Yes. But during this COVID transformation, some of these changes have already accelerated. Yeah, the coast has certainly been through phases. So um, when I was a 15-year-old boy and I arrived on the Sunshine Coast, um, back then, obviously, tourism, um, there was still quite a lot of agribusiness on the coast. There was yeah. a large fishing port here at the Lullabar. Um, you know, and then the building industry. There, there wasn't a lot. So of course, there was always going to be medical and education, but they played a small part of the coast. Um, in my, I started real estate in 2001. Um, probably in that first decade of my real estate career, um, the coast started to change direction a little bit in terms of redevelopment of the foreshore regions along the all about the old houses and Maroochydore as well uh, made way for high rise and <coughs> greater tourism capacity. Um, at the same time, uh, the planning of key infrastructure, um, the two big ones were the Sunshine Coast uh, University um, and then secondly trailing behind that was the Sunshine Coast University Hospital. Um, and that changed our employment structure on the coast. I, if I remember right, back then they forecasted up to about somewhere between 40 to 50% of coast residents in the future were to be employed through the education or the health sectors. So it was a game changer for the coast. Yeah. Um, that hospital precinct at the time was the largest development in the Southern Hemisphere for a hospital. Um, it was its mid-position between Mullalabar and Caloundra and pretty much uh, a suburb was built out of it. Yeah. Um, 
when I was a boy, that area down there, we used to run cross countries on. It was sand dunes, waterways and bush. Yeah. Uh, now it's an entire new suburb. Um, of course, there's also the, the private hospital, training hospital built down there as well. Um, so that, that, that was that first transition through that 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the suburbs surrounding that hospital, I always say that anything that's in a 10, 12 minute drive, yes. good investment opportunities yes. in that pocket. Yeah. And then particularly the closer ones, that um, Meriden Plains, for example, yeah. um, which you could, it's a bike ride to the hospital, that's right. as well as a bike yeah. ride to the beach. Caramundi, Bocarina, Watawa. Mountain Creek. Quanon, uh, Brightwater, all those areas yep. all became spokes and a wheel yep. after the hospital. Um, Probably one thing we saw initially was that uh, Batinga's performed very well. Yeah. Um, been a growth corridor. That's actually where we've opened up Kawanawa's office. Um, what we did experience down there initially, though, is like with new suburbs, um, there was a lot of investment money that came in. There's a lot of expectation, though, that it was, the whole suburb was going to be bought up by wealthy doctors and so forth. We actually uh, found that the wealthy doctors chose probably the key landmark um, locations on the coast, you know, we'll throw out Moffat Beaches at Kalanja, yeah. we'll throw out, you know, Budrums and Malolabars, Midyama with its waterfront, and, yeah. and even up to Noosa. So, um, but it's found its footing now, um, very much a medical driven suburb, but a lot of people are employed by that hospital. Yeah, that's incredible. And there's also um, further development, I think yeah, pre COVID, yeah, the next 10 years, which is incredible. Pre COVID, I was looking at some numbers, there was $1.4 billion worth of infrastructure underway or complete Yes. Um, in this precinct. Yes. And two interesting ones that most people don't know about is, or actually it's three, yeah. um, the underwater sea cable that gives yes. um, the fastest internet connection speed on the, um, the coast of Australia. Yes. It surpasses Melbourne and Sydney. Yes. And that's going directly into a new Maruchidor CBD. It is. It's, it's, it's the, and so the three things, obviously, that w- which made so much news if we go back 10 years ago was the emerging international airport. Yeah. Um, obviously, to uh, benefit both tourism and commerce. Um, secondly, the, the 54 hectare or 53 hectare Greenfields CBD, which originally was the golf course. Yeah. And to have a commerce area like Maruchidor have a, a, you know, a greenfield available was phenomenal in its own right. Um, and then combining that when you're going to build a uh, futuristic CBD, you know, putting that subsea cable in was yep. spectacular. And uh, in the future as that CBD is built, um, you know, that, that will enable recruitment of significant business into the Sunshine Coast region. Yep. COVID has already showed us that work flexibility has occurred, but we'll see employers here that will uh, further lure people to move and, uh, and work out of businesses yeah. on the Sunshine Coast. So we're very excited about that. The, um, unfortunately for the International Airport, that was a false start because it literally opened in the January before COVID. Yeah. And unfortunately, the national flights are grounded, but yep. it still plays an important and spectacular part of the future. Yeah. And there's even new airlines coming to that. So yeah. not necessarily international ones, but Bonza that's Bonza. going to connecting yeah. Yeah. to the rest of the region. Yeah. You know, um, to be able to jump on a plane and fly up and have a weekend in Ely Beach. And, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great example of yeah. just... Well, Townsville. You know, yeah. yeah. Just like... Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. always had to commit to Brisbane and, yeah. you know, you sort of lose a day in travel yeah. by the time you drive down, park your car, fly mm. and all that kind of stuff. So to drive um, 15 minutes north to the, end, to the airport and connect to anywhere is going to be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's really um, 
obviously the demographics changed a lot, but it's a story about increased connectivity yes. and technology yes. is a real enabler yes, um, right. for this region. Yeah. So how have you seen the demographic change during the COVID period, the last two years? Yeah, um, one thing I will just touch on too when I was talking about education and, yeah. um, and, and also health, yeah. um, the coast was the university uh, but also, I believe in, in Australia, per capita, one of the highest number of private schools as well um, mm. in the Maroochydaw catchment area. Very uh, important. So, you know, that, that really bolstered. Um, you get a, you can talk about demographics, that's why I go back to schools. Yeah. Um, obviously, a huge amount of volume of families moving to the Sunshine Coast. The real challenge for the Sunshine Coast now is population growth because um, I think we're at about 350,000. I believe that they're talking about um, over the next decade it'll move towards 500,000. So when we talk about jobs and connectivity and commerce and and everything else, we do have to have someone to put those people. The real challenges are going to be uh, developing the land and building the homes for them, which we actually have probably seen the first signs of those pressure points now about rental market. Yeah. Uh, there's real um, pressure on tenancies yeah. and fatigue yeah. for um, tenants out there at the moment. Yeah. It's really, I mean, that's um, a really challenging situation because there is a housing crisis from yes. a, a tenant's perspective, which yeah. the other states, I know like Melbourne is definitely not experiencing yes. that. It's still a tenant's market yes. um, yeah. um, post-COVID, but... Yeah, here, completely in CBD areas as well. Yeah, yeah. but this is completely flipped on we its are, head up here. And, and, and another symptom of that was is there was uh, so many owner-occupier buyers, yeah. particularly through last year. Yeah. So um, the mix of typically investors and owner-occupiers was heavily skewed towards the owner-occupiers, which meant that we just had less available rental properties. Yeah. Uh, we were certainly feeling it as a business um, through that uh, merging out of lockdown period where um, a lot of the properties we had in our rent rolls were getting bought by yeah. people and tenants were being displaced and we we're trying to help the tenants find another yeah. property and yeah. people were moving into those properties. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so with all this change going on, mm. you know, in this, in your region, which yeah. I think it's probably one of the biggest amounts of change in any region really Um, and what's coming up again in the next 10 years you've also got the olympics coming but yeah we we can talk about that as well (laughs) which is actually again giving extra huge um, infrastructure yeah infrastructure dollars so we're talking about railway lines that connect brisbane to the maroochydore cbd approved at a federal level still pending at state level i believe yeah um but where do you see opportunities in your region um so Firstly, uh, for people listening that haven't grasped that CBD, yeah. um, Walker Group, when they talk about it, they talk about it like a heart, yeah. and then um, all the spokes in the wheel go out to all the surrounding suburbs. Um, it's going to reshape the Sunshine Coast, and it's just not a Maroochy thing that benefits. You know, Maroochydore, Alexander Head, Wimbledon, all these suburbs are within minutes of each other. Um, that CBD... Um, traditionally, CBDs are old and they're shaped by you know, traditional architecture and um, in heritage buildings and so forth. We're the other end of the scale. Yeah. It's going to be the cutting edge of architecture, um, urban beautification, yeah. um, 
you know, built for lifestyle with outdoor facilities, dining, exercising, Um, you know, so it's going to be spectacular. And if you take the time to have a look at um, the the architectural designs they're building for there, it's going to be, you know, really something special. Um, So so that's very, very exciting. Um, If you want to talk just about general areas, I, you know, we've, the, the coast is always lived by, now we have spectacular hinterlands and, and spectacular acreage and, and you know, um, corridor townships, but the word, it's the Sunshine Coast. Yep. Uh, that coastal strip, whether it be at Noosa or the whole way through to Caloundra, has always been the major lifestyle draw card. Yep. So I'm still a little bit nostalgic that, um, the areas very close to the coastal strip always have high speed. We're unlike the Gold Coast as well, where there's high density plans along the strip. It's mm. all low density. Yeah. Um, so you can still live a few rooftops from the beach yeah. in a respectably priced family home. And that's just one of the things that I think really attracts people to the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. Um, I was at the Gold Coast recently, you know, you drive from Broad Beach up to Southport and yeah. it's, it, 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 that's the Gold Coast. Yeah. And here you drive, drive like that and it's residential homes. Yeah, and a lot of greenery. Like I think the standout, um, I think is, you know, the greenery and, and just the natural environment yes. compared to the Gold Coast, it does feel like a concrete. Yeah. Like the highway yeah. kind of sub divides the coast, which is a very narrow street. Yeah frontage to yeah a you know the house very common comment on the sunshine coast is don't let us become the gold coast we've got our own identity and yeah. that wants to be protected by people on sunshine coast yeah. so we, we can't we can't stop growth and yeah. and uh and population expansion but i do know that the coast is all the council and and planning around the sunshine coast has always been around a very different low density version yeah um yeah. and you know, we, the, I know that they want to infill those housing regions with more duplexes and things like that. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll spread west, yep. right up to the lane in the hinterland. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah, up it's, there. And, and of course, that opportunity down at Aura, yep. at Caloundra, yep. you know, building a city down there. And that, yep. and that, 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 that grows south towards Brisbane and eventually... Yep over in a lifetime to see that connect right through. Yeah. So uh, it's a really, really special location. I did uh, take the time to have a quick look at some statistics for you. Oh, great. Um, um, so through the COVID period, um, housing prices on the Sunshine Coast increased by 68%. Yeah. And units, um, so if there's any myth about houses or units, units also increased by 67%. So, you know, we've been through a period where we, Actually, early this year, it was announced that our median price is actually higher than Melbourne's now. Yeah. And we're second highest to Sydney. So yeah. we're actually, our Sunshine Coast medium, and I know Noose has always captured the headlines with its yeah. incredibly high sales, but yeah. the coast has grown up in general. Yeah. Um, so our medium price is higher than Brisbane. It's yeah. higher than the Sunshine, so the Gold Coast, um, higher than Melbourne and only yeah. second to, yeah. to Sydney. Yeah. Um, so I saw that the... I think Melbourne last year peaked at about uh, 960 odd median price. Yeah. We got over 1.1. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it really is a story of the Sunshine Coast growing up, isn't it? As you said, it's really growing up. And it's for, it's just not, um, 
it's just not a COVID impact. It's with everything that was in play before COVID. Yes. Everything you've just touched on about yes. the infrastructure and being a smart city. Yes. Um, well, means this you know growth will continue and hopefully in a sustainable way because that's the co- the focus of being a smart city. You can do it sustainably. Yes. Because um, you do have a blank canvas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the coast. In reality, if we move forward another twenty years. Um, well, the urban areas will look different, but largely the residential areas will still yeah. have those attractions that we enjoy now. Yeah. So, yeah. So now that's really good talking about the macro. Let's talk about what's happening in today's market. Yeah. Um, you from, had some questions for me, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. But sort of from a seller's perspective, yes. what prop? I mean, obviously we've had interest rate changes, which is impacting. Um, yeah. Demand. Five of yesterday. Five of yesterday, yeah. But so where, um, what properties are selling well at the moment in this market? So, um, look, good property, uh, and when I mean good property, I mean property that um, key positioned and has key attributes that fit um, a high uh, buyer need. Yeah. Um, so talking about properties that, you know, if you sat down and said, you know, for the family market, they need to have over 500 metres of land. They'd like to have four bedrooms, they'd like to have two bathrooms, they'd like to have a double garage, it needs to be fenced on the Liverpool yep. in Queensland, great outdoor entertainment area, yep. and close to the beach or school or, or, or whatever's important to that family. Yep. Those properties will continue to travel well, yep. um, and they are. Um, so, you know, we've certainly got still very strong buyer demand, yep. but the biggest complaint from buyers last year was markets move incredibly fast and we don't have any choice and we have high competition. Yeah. So the good news for buyers now is choice is improving. Yeah. And it's improving for two reasons. Um, there's a little bit more starting to come to market. Yeah. And the days on market have existed. Last year was frantic. Yeah. It was crazy. I think um, it was unprecedented how yes. quickly properties were selling. Yes. Um, and it was sort of what prices. There's a huge you know, FOMO fear of missing out. Yes. And obviously the market's now changed that it is, a buyer can negotiate, okay. they can do their due diligence, yes. and they can ensure that they get the right property for them. That's right. Yep. So talking about those tick boxes, yeah, that, that's why that becomes very important. People now will want to tick as many out of that 10 things that are important to them. They will take their time to try and find eight, nine, or 10 of those things. Yep. <clears throat> we found last year because speed of market, people might have been buying properties that they ticked. 50 or 60% of their needs, but yeah. they just needed a home. Yeah. <clears throat> so very, um, that's the big change we're seeing for buyers. Um, obviously, lending is changing. Yeah. Um, banks are more concentrating on their ability to service higher interest rates. So the advice we're giving to everyone now is that if you haven't gone and got a pre-approval or if you haven't spoken with a financier recently, get back and have a chat to them because the yeah. lending criteria will have changed, everyone's has. Yeah. Um, so we will see a little bit of that carry through the market because yeah. if people can't borrow as much, they can't spend as much. Yeah. Um, we're certainly, if you're a buyer out there and right now you have a pre-approval, um, you know, agents are going to really want to help you find a property because yeah. you're, you know, you're pre-qualified. Yeah. Uh, part of our job is lessening risk for owners and we don't want to see an owner 
wrapped up in a contract for 21 days, finance or something, and then fall through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so cashed up or pre-qualified buyers are worth their weight in gold now. Yeah, definitely. And it just um, from a buyer's perspective, to get that pre-qualification, you know exactly where you stand, that's and that's when important. you can start executing on your strategy. And Yes. What, what you I, guys would be great at this as yeah, well. Yeah, I I'm do. I'm like, but certainly about an area that you guys specialise in. Yeah, because often when people have come to me, I can actually see them going around and around in circles. Yes. Um, because they actually don't really know how much money they've got to spend. They, they to, you know, exactly know what they spend. And then they haven't really formulated a strategy about what's important to them. Yes. Like they might be going, oh, my friend did this and my friend yeah. did that. So I think I might want to do that. But you've yeah. got to just nail down yes. what's important to them. And not everyone has buyer experience. Yeah. So, you know, we meet some people that are, you know, portfolios they really know what they're doing. We've yep. met other people that it's the first time they've invested yeah. or the first time they've bought a home. So yeah. um, there's a great role for both of us to play in that, which is exciting. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, you, you talk about opportunities for buyers. Um, and choice is the first. That's 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 their biggest opportunity now. Yeah. Uh, second part of it is, though, we, we, you talk about buyers going around and around. We, we have been seeing that a little bit. Yeah. You know, buyers saying that we're going to take our time and... Yeah. Um, traditionally, we don't find the buyers do look forever. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to spend every single Saturday out there looking at home. Yeah, yeah. So we're sort of coaching people a little bit. Yeah. Um, if you find the right home, yeah. if the owners are willing to come to the terms at a good price, yeah. and you're planning to live there for yeah. 12 months or 18 months, but years and years, yeah. buy it. It all comes out in the life. You talk yeah. about all these things that can happen on Sunshine Coast over the next 20 years in yeah. front. Yeah. They will enjoy that ride. Yeah. Um, look, of course, right now we're in an adjusting market, and I'm going to say too, it's very careful using um, dialogue, crashing markets like the media does and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. a normalising market. Yeah. If we go back before COVID, yeah. what we're talking about now is normal. Is it this? You're saying normalising. I sometimes got a balanced market. If you actually look at the number of um, days on sale, yeah. It's still relatively on the low end. It was just that yes. the last two years was ridiculous. Yes. So we're not above average at the moment yeah. but it sort of but it gives a normal market and actually in one way it also gives the seller an opportunity to find something in the market yeah. as well because yeah. well it's always been the same rule buy yeah. and sell in the same market it doesn't make any, okay. any difference that, yeah. that actually we're going to talk about myth busters but actually that's yeah. just really good sound advice is yeah. you always buy and sell in the same market yes um i have seen people throughout my whole career about 30 years experience they try and play the market with their biggest asset yes. that they've had equity in. Gambling. It's gambling, but you know, um, property in Australia does go up over a ten-year average, yes. and they think, oh, I, th- I think I'm at the peak. I'm going to rent for twelve months, yeah. and then <coughs> it goes up. Share some of those statistics with you. Oh, okay, about yeah. What, what it looks like if you've yeah. just stayed in the market for twenty years instead of hopping in and out. Yeah. So that's um. Yeah, always, you know, buy and sell in the same market. Yeah. Um, there will be people that will do well out of the current market yeah. where they, they may have sold six months ago. So mm. right on peak market conditions. Yeah, yeah. And they might buy back in, in 18 months yeah. when uh, they feel confident that yeah. the interest rate cycle we're in may have come to an end. Yeah. Um, and they can sort of sit back and actually see what effect that's had on the market and go, well, yeah. there's been discounting, of course. Yeah. Uh, we'll jump back in there. Yeah. But that's all right for people that don't need a home. Yes, it's that, okay. that's that's the differentiating factor. Yeah. Is when it's your home, that's right. and if it's an investment or you have a few properties, it can balance it out. Um, yeah. yeah, I think because um, for people that are planning to uh, hop out of the market and go and rent right now yeah. for twelve or eighteen months, that's not a very 
good experience either. Um, mm. And of course, rents lost money. Yeah, so rents lost money, but it's not a good experience because you've touched on it, a housing crisis. I have a very good friend of mine. She's a mother of, you know, a three boys and a husband. So she says she's got four boys yeah. you know, that she has to look after. But they um, were in the same rental property for seven years. Yes. Um, and then they had to leave because it was bought by an owner-occupier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two weeks down, they've applied for about 40 properties and they've got 11 years of rental history, always paying rent on time. Still can't get in. And they only could get something for six months. Yeah. So with a family, could you imagine the upheaval? So the people that are the opposite have yeah. always been homeowners and yeah. haven't been a tenant. Yeah. They don't come with the references, the track record. Um, mm. They might come with needing a, you know, the home to house the family. They might have a cat and dog. Yeah. Might have a boat. Yeah. You know, just trying to find a property that that works for. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. The line, and look, I've had people sell multi-million dollar properties with me to yeah. become tenants. Yeah. And it's been a tricky, tri- uh, a, a difficult process because yeah. they don't have past record and ledgers and stuff like that. They yeah. might have millions of dollars in the bank, but they don't have a good tenant history. Yeah. Or, or I should say no tenant history. Yeah. So we, uh, but openly, those yeah. kind of good clients, we're always helping as an agency to, yeah. to find them property and put them into a rental. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. What about the same... Buying the worst house in the best street is yes. the way to go. Yeah. Is that a myth? Or is so, it I think it's been turned on its head a little bit. Yeah. I think for a long time it was a, it was a good theory yeah. um, because you could effectively buy a home that was not worth much more than the land value. I think the theory has always been buy something as close to land value mm. and then improve, design, modify to your needs something beautiful that becomes more modern and more serviceable than the old homes in the street. So you took the worst home and you turn it into something better than everything else. So that was a bit of a no-brainer. There's a catch now, and that is access to trades, labour and building costs. It's wildly thrown around all the time now that the building costs have gone up by about 40%. Yeah. Um, so. And that's if you can get access to a trade. Yeah. So buying the worst house at the moment, still probably a good idea, but I would think the buyer that would buy that may be a builder themselves or mum and dad, you know, we're just like the block or expert renovators yeah. or someone that is a trade and he's got lots of mates that are trades and they can actually get access to trades yeah. um, at reasonable labour rates and they might get trade rates on material themselves. So I I literally um, would normally say it's a great idea, but right now, if you factor in it, you might not be able to get trades on site for Mm. six or 12 months. Material's going to be high. Um, And on top of that, you've got to find somewhere probably to live and house your family. Well, the worst house in the street's ripped to pieces. Because most families don't like living through renovations. No. Yeah, I've got a living case of this right Yeah. I've yeah. just sold in Minyama the worst house yeah. in the street. Yeah. It's close to, you know, the, unless you're a, in a, a enthusiastic renovator, yeah. it's it's pretty rough. Yeah. So for people who don't know Minyama, what did you sell the worst house in the... 940000 Okay, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, that house, um, it had great engagement. But the people that engaged on it were people that could do a lot of the work themselves and didn't have to live in it. Mm. But for the people that were the average buyer, yeah. I was like, well, we're going to have to go and rent somewhere. Is that going to be six or 12 months? Yeah. You know, 
kind of need someone to return out calls at the moment to get a quote. Yeah. Um, so it became too complicated, and those yeah. buyers went, we'll go and buy the $1.2 million house in the neighbourhood that someone else has done that work. Yeah. Okay? But for the people that bought it, connected with trades and everything else, and, and also budget conscious, yeah. not everyone that buys the worst house in the street you know, renovates it immediately. That yeah. might be that's what they can afford and they, yeah. they save some more money or they develop some equity and then they come back and renovate it. So yeah. this one might not have the expensive renovation right off the back, it might have paint carpet and made livable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting because there's so many dynamics that's impacting that statement now that everything yeah. that you've touched on. Yeah. It was a very simple question two years ago to answer. Yeah. yeah. Renovators dream, people love them. Yeah. What about... Um, in, in the Noosa area, yeah. um, a lot of people would like turnkey. So the properties that I'm seeing selling before auction at the moment tend yeah. to be, you know, turnkey. You step in the dream that you've always wanted. Yes. Yeah. Um, if they need work, yes. um, it's a bit trickier for all the reasons you've just touched yeah. on. Yeah. But even if it needs a bit of cosmetic, um, not major renovations, if the floor plan isn't sort of perfect, they're also lingering longer yeah. on the market. So that'll be partly market symptoms as well with more yeah. choice. Yeah. So yeah. people can afford to be a bit fussier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, when we talked about the, the checklist as yeah. well, yeah. most people would love to find the exact perfect home with nothing to do. Yeah. But that's not always uh, feasible for us as buyers, agents and agents yeah. to, to match them up. Yeah. So that's where I actually see the opportunity in the market. And I think you were talking about market cycles before and it's actually, you know, there's another saying, it's not timing of the market, it's time in the market. Yes. So we know, yes. you know, if you're going to buy a property and hold it for the next, you know, 10 or 20 years, you've got yeah. to buy the right property for you. Yes. But what I see as an opportunity is if a property does need work, but you're happy to sit in it for 18 months, mm. see how the light works, see how the ventilation works, and then enjoy the process yes. rather than rush it, yeah. you may pick up a really good deal at the moment because people are going to turnkey for all the reasons you've just touched yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer. I've given that advice for 20 years to people. That yeah. Unless they're very experienced renovators that have really good advice on decor, um, then it is best. And particularly so much of our property on the coast here that um, is either waterfront or particularly might have ocean views or, or outlooks of some description um, or just our climate as well. Yeah. So people coming out of Victoria, for example, uh, in winter might enjoy a property with a western aspect because you get winter sun in the yeah. afternoon. Mm. If you came to Queensland with the same theory on western aspect in summer, you will look like you've been barbecued. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, yeah. it, it's quite often important if you're moving from far to understand our climate first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aspect is always that we talked about all the tick boxes again. Aspect on the Sunshine Coast is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have in summertime we have prevailing southeast and northeasterly winds. So people think about that. We have um, easterly sun in the morning, we have westerly quite hot sun in the afternoon. We have in winter south, southerlies and southwesterly breezes that are quite chilly by Queensland standards. So there's so much that plays into the design of the home. Yeah. So what would you say is the preferred orientation? If you were, if you were describing your Nirvana. Yeah, look, that north to northeast is yeah. always the, the position that people choose. Yeah. In winter time, if there's a cool southerly, you're protected from that. Yeah. Um, 
in um, in in summertime, um, if there's strong southeasterly wind pattern comes through, you're protected from that. Yeah. Um, you don't have the western sun. Mm-hmm. Um, you get lots of natural light because the because of the northerly aspect. And the only guess let down a little bit with the nor- northerly aspect is that we can get those strong northerly winds typically late in the day in summer. Yeah. But. That's the only small yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. Better to have a, a, a strong warm wind yeah. than a cool yeah. southerly. Yeah. And the other thing I think... But you pay the price for that as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's all about balance. But um, I think also coming from down south, um, people don't realise how important natural ventilation is in this yes. climate. Yes. I think they underestimate that. And that's one of the key factors I look at yeah. in a property because... Mm. Natural ventilation enables you to enjoy the home so much it more. It does, and because not everyone wants to move here yeah. and have their house closed up yeah. and air conditioning on. Yeah, yeah there's something because like that. Because that's not our lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you think about the old Queensland lifestyle, you, you think about having a dip in the pool, um, you know, spread of food out on the outdoor patio, um, barbecue going, walking through a set of bifold doors into the kitchen to grab something out of the fridge. You know, that open flow lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I think the majority of the homes are air conditioned probably because we do get humidity as well. Yeah. But yeah. most of the year, people would be wanting to have their house open and, yeah. and using, available to cross ventilation. And using the fans. That's why um, high ceilings are so loved as well. Yeah. Um, extra light and extra breeze. Yeah. That's great. So I think we've had a great discussion today. So I'm going to say thank you. Before I go, I just want to touch on a buyer's agent and the evolution of that in Queensland. So for Australians, you would say the in Melbourne and Sydney, the market's been very mature for buyer's agents. Even 30 years ago, I was yes. selling to buyer's agents um, when I was doing inner city sales yeah. in Melbourne. Yeah. It's been very different in Queensland. I think um, COVID has been an accelerator, but how, how do you find... Um, so pre-COVID, we had very little uh, working relationship or, or even access yep. to buyer's agents. I believe even the same in Brisbane to some extent. Uh, it was the perfect scenario for the partnership because I'll be really open. Um, there was a lot of people buying sight unseen properties last year um, with very erratic behaviour and little research. Mm. Um, now, that, that's okay because they just wanted to get to Queensland and have a property. Mm. But if you're an ethical agent, it also worried me. Mm. And I said numerous times through that period to my agents, if people are going to be wanting to buy a property site unseen, at a minimum, I'd set some standards. Yeah. We, we, we want to do an extensive buyer video tour yeah. and have them ask all the questions. And if they're not asking the questions because they're experienced, show them. Yeah. Okay. So pointing out the features, the benefits, and also if there's anything that was of importance to know about the home structure or design or anything like that. Um, so it's the second part I was like, always asked people every single time, do you have a friend or family member that can accompany me to the video tour? Because I want to make sure that when I say this is a really good size fourth bedroom, that your friend is beside me and saying, yeah, I completely agree with Brent. Yeah. The reason I say that is that it's a huge decision as an agent from an ethical position. The last thing we want is someone to come up and say, I bought something and it's not what I thought it was. Yeah. 
the other part of it too is we're really, really protective of our reputation and, and, and all of our clients get surveyed by the NPS or whether it be rape by agent or whatever. Yeah. We didn't want to have a chance where there was a misunderstanding and someone gave us a bad rating on a big investment. Yeah. So that was our behaviour, but we take that to the next step. That's yeah. where we loved working with buyer's agents mm. because they were not the friend or family member. Yeah. They were the person standing beside us at the inspection as well. Yeah. And they... It's sometimes it's hard for us to give guidance to buyers because they know that we represent the seller yeah. and the seller obviously pays the commission. So there was a, a, a really good partnership form there where they could have that additional um, person to give them good, strong advice, help them with negotiations, guide them through pest and building inspections. Yeah. And there was another part of last year. Oh, you know, it was quite overwhelming to move to Queensland. There was a period there we had to do quarantine. Yeah. Um, it wasn't easy to bring pets in. There was so much involved in moving your family or moving your life to Queensland and to have an expert navigator on that was priceless. Yeah. But so of course a little bit of that need for buyers agents will, will shift. But I see the next chapter, the part you're part of our industry now. We've gone the other way. We were spoilt with buyers. Yeah. Now we're getting some great properties where we actually need help to yeah. find the right buyer. Yeah. So we're interacting strongly yeah. with buyers agents now because yeah. they may have been have a higher trust level or a longer term relationship with a buyer that we don't know and we can partnership beautifully. There's a huge other piece to the puzzle and that is that we're going to see more overseas migration. Yeah. Um, we're obviously going to see international tourism open up again and Quite often those people come and stay at beautiful places like Noose and say, we're going to buy here. Yeah. Hop back on the plane and go home with buying intentions. Yeah. And of course we've got the Olympics as well, which is going to bring uh, people into South East Queensland. So, yeah, I see our partnership working together um, is only going to strengthen. Yeah. And um, we've already got some great case studies. Yeah. And I think we'll write lots more in the future. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, but I think... You've definitely nailed it on the head about you know the evolution of the buyer's agent. What I've been surprised at is actually I can see local people now seeing the value of using a buyer's agent. That is what. Because yeah. not everyone's experienced either. No. Or has time. Yeah. But yeah, so and another part that we've experienced is that buyers can't find the right property that's on the market. They have very specific needs or location. So the buyer's agents are contacting contacting us and saying have you maybe had a property that you appraised or sold previously um, that might fit this description yeah. and we, if we have the right property we'll reach out to that client and say look have you considered a sale so that's good service for you to provide and, yeah. and if it, you know sometimes owners are not on the market they're three or six months out yeah. um, we can form a, formulate a deal that works for everyone yeah. So, yeah. And that's a really important point. And I do say, I want to say thank you very much for today, but also um, thanks very much for the ongoing relationship we've had. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure working um, with you and your team. And I'd say you're definitely best in class. So <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I, uh, I, I'm very, very um, proud of the business we've got and, and I look forward to giving your buyers access to all of our best listings that we can put to market. So thank you. Okay. Thanks very much, Brent.